In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. you. Guys, we honor you today. For grinding it out in the bubble. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to manhood. And our goal every week, as you know, is to call you into the places you would normally not venture without a little push. We want to call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers and to call you up to become your best version. Because when you do that, guys, when you get it, everyone wins about time you came in that was weak i'm jim ramos and as you heard i'm here with a backbone producer co-host of the show dale culver how you doing my man doing awesome hey uh the guys who are listening really what they're listening to right now is part two of our interview with david no no that's not it how do i start that over again what you're listening to is Hey guys, uh, those of you listening right now are actually listening to part two of our interview with Paul Coughlin. As you remember, Paul Coughlin is the president and founder of The Protectors, Freedom from Bullying, Courage and Character for Life, and official ministry partner of the Association of Schools International. Nope, messed that one up again. So what you're actually listening to, guys, is part two of our interview with Paul Coughlin. As you remember from last week, Paul Coughlin is the founder and president of The Protectors, Freedom from Bullying. He's been interviewed on New York Times, Newsweek, C-SPAN. He's been on Fox News. He's authored eight books, including the famous book from uh, 2010, No More Christian Nice Guy. But uh, by his own admission, his most important book to date is the book we interviewed him on called Free Us from Bullying, which is what today's podcast is all about. Uh, He has, over his career, helped inspire more than 1,000 bullies 
publicly apologize for bullying and bullying-related behavior. His passion in life is to fight bullying. He lives in Sun River, Oregon with his wife, Sandy, of 27 years. There are three kids and uh, who are now adults, and uh, I am really excited to bring uh, him on this show in part two of our podcast interview. But let me just say something before we throw, uh, throw you into the interview with Paul. Hey, as parents, as men in the arena, we have culpability in how our children turn out. That's why our tagline is, when a man gets it, everyone wins. There are three options for you when raising your child. You will raise a child who will become a target or victim. Uh, another word that Paul uses is prey, P-R-E-Y. In American Sniper, we, he called these types of people sheep. So you will raise a target. You will raise a bullet. <clears throat> Damn it. You will raise a bully or uh, a wolf, a person who goes after the weak and dominates the weak. Or three, you will raise a protector, a defender, a courageous young man or woman, a sheepdog. So you as a parent have culpability in this. And so we want you to listen to part two of this epic discussion with Paul Coughlin. Hope you enjoy it. Hope that it encourages you in raising sheepdogs, protectors of the week. So guys, have a great time. God bless you. Well, let's go back to this this issue of parenting. Before I deal with bullies, I want to deal with uh, men and women who are raising their children. So you wrote on page 82, good people stand up while nice people do nothing meaningful, which was really, really powerful. But let's talk about raising children with the courage to protect those our target. I think we're on to something right now, Paul, as we're talking about uh, being willing to encourage our kids, being willing to push our kids, being willing to ask them to step up. You said, um, you said there are some steps for our children that we can teach them as parents yeah. when they recognize bullying. Uh, one, two, three, intervene, comfort the target, and three, report uh, to the authority. Are there any other things that we can do as parents to, to, to raise protectors as, instead of uh, targets and, and bullies? Yeah, I mean, we can uh, raise them and rear them on the stories of the courageous. Mm. You know, the and the big thing, honestly, is parental expectation. You know, in the movie American Sniper, uh, Chris Kyle's yes. father sits him down and says, you know, there's only he and his brother and his, his mom are there as well. And uh, he says, uh, you know, there's three kinds of people in this world. There are sheep, sheep, dogs and wolves. I yep. expect you to be a sheep dog. Um, Honestly, this is not an exaggeration. If I had a magic wand and I wanted to change the theater of bullying, I wouldn't start with teachers because teachers are not the frontline defense. Uh, parents are. And uh, I would have parents have that conversation with their kids. And for a lot of reasons that don't have time to go into, we would fundamentally change bullying in America within two weeks yes. uh, because bullies do not expect pushback from bystanders. So when bystand, they have the most power. When bystanders stand up in an assertive but nonviolent fashion, no is a spiritual word. We have forgotten yes. that. Some of the best people in the world say no. They say no to what God says no to, to what God hates. God actually hates bullying. He doesn't hate bullies, but he yes. hates bullying. Yes. So we, if we can expect our child, not someone else's child, to stand up to bullying, it'll fundamentally change not just the life of another person, but it'll change their life. Here's why. Studies show that courage is only grown by doing courageous deeds. Mm. So if we want 
courageous, strong children. We all say we want strong kids. I'm not convinced we do because in order for our kids to be strong, they have to take life affirming risk. And yes. so it, it worries us. And we worry our kids going to get hurt, but we don't worry about what happens if our kid doesn't stand up and help another kid. Uh, and studies show that when we see another person in, in harm and we don't help that person, when we have the power to act, um, our capacity for courage, sympathy, empathy, and related virtues decrease in the future. We literally become smaller-souled people in the future when we don't act appropriately in the now. So our children are being harmed when they don't do anything yes. to help uh, that other that that kid. And you think about, for example, leadership. The greatest leaders are the courageous ones. You know, we don't we don't do holidays um, after people like I say who give us the weather in the morning. They're nice people, but they're yeah. never going to have a holiday named after them. Yes. Um, it's the people who said no. It's the Kings. It's the Lincolns. It's the Washingtons. It's the Desmond Tutus and the and the Nelson Mandela's. It's Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. It's yeah. it's it's Mother Teresa, Solzhenitsyn, Dostoevsky, uh, um, oh, uh, Wilberforce. These are the people who stood from the herd and said, "You're not going to treat another human being as if they're cattle. Yes. We're, 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 you're going to you're going to adhere to the dignity, value, and worth of another person because they are made in the image of God." Man, that's really good. I appreciate that. So you said that we as parents need to allow and encourage our children to take life-affirming risks to be strong. And and what what I'm reading there, too, is allowing them to fail with your guidance. Yeah. Right? That's right. Set, let them fail. Our, oh, they need to stumble. They yes. need to stumble. Now, they, now they, we, they shouldn't completely fall. I mean, fall as in, you know, be, become a wreck in a yard sale type of thing. But um, <laughs> they they need to stumble because it's good for them. Failure, we learn from these failures. Yes. And I coach these kids who, you know, mom usually is the one who, and statistically, is always running interference. For yes. whatever reason, they're trying to keep all pain away from their child. Pain is good. Pain grows us up, but there's a difference. We need to know the difference between hurt and harm. Oh, that's we good. shouldn't allow. Yeah, we shouldn't allow our children to be harmed. Harm is psychological cancer. It's it. it harm is what um, um, causes psychological, spiritual uh, defragmentation. Mm -hmm. So I would put sexual abuse in that category. Physical abuse, psychological abuse. No. No, we do, that 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 does not grow us up statistically. It harms yeah. us. It really does. Yeah. Uh, but failure, difficulty, dealing with a mean person every once in a while, getting your feelings hurt. No one likes these things. That, but that's where the hurt is. And there is maturity on that side. So we need to really see the difference uh, between the two. Because I coach the kids who mom, you know, scrubbed uh, all you know, pain from that kid's life. And you want to give him a t-shirt that says, uh, does not play well with others, right? You get rid of the ambiguity. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. they are, they're horrible to coach. They don't mix well with, um, uh, their peers They're because, um, one reason why is that usually mom has done everything for them. So they haven't really learned how to exert their will. So for example, in the world of boys, when you get a, a, a boy who's like that among other boys who have been allowed to be a little more free range, you know, mm -hmm. um, they don't know how to intervene, uh, intervene or intermix rather very well uh, with that. I mean, play is serious business Yeah, and we've, and we've contaminated play. Play is where kids learn a number of things, probably most 
most importantly is how to regulate their emotions. Uh, on top of that, too, play is where they know the difference between a provocative bump or push and an accidental one. And when a kid is constantly, when mom's constantly intervening, that poor kid's not going to know the difference. And unfortunately, there'll be an outcast later on in the world of boys. It's sad. I've seen it, and there's not much you can do. I've seen it, and I've tried to help. In some cases, I have helped. I think of one young man where I used to have to, I used to, it's when I first started coaching, I'd have to grab him by the shoulders. I grab him by the shoulder. I won't use his name. I, I, I love him then. I love him now. And I would say, buddy. I know the difference between an intentional uh, tackle and an unintentional tackle. That was unintentional. Just go back out there. And cause he used to cry when he would get tackled and, and oh, uh, yeah. event, eventually I just like, I know the difference. And if someone were trying to take you out, I they'll have to deal with me. Uh, but no, that wasn't intentional. I had to walk him through that. Yeah. I had kids. I had a kid who would literally cling to my leg when I first started uh, coaching. He must've been six years old and I would be talking and he would just wrap his leg, his arms around my leg. And I did not sign yeah. up for that. And, uh, it turns out later he's, he didn't, I was the closest male figure he had in his life. And, uh, I got to see the great need for masculinity in, in, in their lives. It was pretty heartbreaking. Well, you know what? You, you just brought something up that I was going to ask you already. This is really good. Uh, you talked about, um, the risk taking factor. You said that moms are usually the ones deflecting risk or what I call helicopter. They're, they're hovering over the child and, and it's, and, and it's uh, the man I know with my own marriage, the, one of the big struggles we had was my wife would tend to, as a mother, protect where I had to say, no, let him go. This is okay. And, and force our kids out there uh, to, to take their shots at life. And I think that was a really good balance. But, you know, you talk about in your book, and I don't know, I don't know Paul, if I read this, so I'm going to ask you this because I, I might have missed this. But you just brought the, to our attention the importance for dads in the mix in calling out this, you know, uh, this uh, this risk in their in their children. But is there a correlation? And again, I it might have been your book. I missed it between targets and bullies and fatherlessness. Do you see that the lack of a father uh, uh, increases the odds of a person being a target and or a bully? Well, uh, statistically, we have to be careful with stats uh, on this thing, but there are a few things that bullies can have in common, but not always. Okay. And and one of them is lack of male supervision. Mm -hmm. uh, they just are pretty sure they can push mom around a little more than dad. And if dad's not around, I mean, it, it's been my experience that uh, dads would be a little more cut and dry on stuff. Yeah. You know, we don't say, Hey honey, how do you feel? How do you think? It's like, no, you won't do that. No, that's wrong. Nope. You won't yeah. do it. Uh, that, and, and guys tend to be a little more uh, that way. And I think that spirit is, again, as long as it's not inordinate and awful and mean and cruel, uh, and cause it can get, uh, that direction as long as it is healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it'll keep bullies at bay, you know, um, uh, lions keep leopards tame, as, as Shakespeare put it. Oh. And so is that there is that when I was a coach, I saw myself as a lion. I because you got these little leopards out there. Oh yeah, who uh, they will take over if they think they can take over. Yeah, and you they they just got to know. Nope, I'm I'm the one in charge here. I'm I'm the you know benevolent dictator, and um, 
as long as that's healthy, it's a, it's a good thing. So yeah, kids can come from homes where there's lack of, of male supervision. Well, and we know parenting is an issue uh, as well. You said in your book, thug parents create thug kids <laughs> who consume thug media, which I love that, you know, and we know that thug media, it increases abusive behavior, right? And so uh, would you say that's the same for thug uh, uh, social media? Would you say that's a you would throw social media into that thug bill? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you got those keyboard, you got those keyboard warriors, right? They, oh, you they, know it, baby. They'll, they'll type something. They would never say it to another person's face. They don't have the courage to do it, but they'll do it behind a keyboard. It's it's awful uh, in many respects. Uh, hopefully we can take a lot of this back. Um, yes. Yeah, we need to. Well, it's interesting. So we have, you know, over 10,000 men on our arena page. And uh, every so often you'll get these guys jumping in and they're they're like cyber bullies. They kind of they start bullying and and mocking and doing things. And so uh, I posted a video and I had a guy post back, oh, another guy trying to make money off of Jesus. So I go, okay, well, I need to make a phone call. So I said, hey, can I talk to you on the phone? And this guy picked up the phone. He was the most effeminate, weak, soft (laughs) man I've ever talked to. And what I have found is to the letter. These guys that have to call on the phone appear when face-to-face or via phone, because a lot of these guys are in other states, very soft. And uh, But in social media, they have this – there's this this veneer. this veneer. So, But, you know, we well, all know – good, good good for you for doing that, because you know what you probably did? You you, you, you shut them down probably. Oh, yeah. You, well, you're yeah. more likely – not just with you, though, with other people as well. I was in a community. I made the newspaper doing anti-bullying work, and uh-huh. I, was, look, I was in my hotel room afterward, lonely hotel room as a speaker – you're you're there and i'm looking at the comments and this one person said exactly the same thing oh he's just in it for the money yeah you know what i had done it for free they, they don't the they don't understand free. the world we live in they don't get it oh christian books know. and and money don't don't match <laughs> isn't that speaking case? at christian events and making money if i wanted to make money i'd start doing secular stuff <laughs> so, yeah well you know it's interesting so that same guy that i had to call on the phone we had this great conversation. I explained to my side, and I said, any questions? No. And his first thought was, his first response was, I'm so sorry for stirring it up. And so we left on a great conversation. I felt really good about it. That next morning, he personal messaged me and reprimanded me because he did not have a place to speak. And he felt like I ambushed him. And I right. thought, really, that's interesting. He said, I hope we can carry, I hope this conversation carry on again in his strong social media voice. And I said, uh, it won't. And you're gone, and so we mm, moved it from the yeah. page, and uh, it was over. So, uh, so yeah. let's let's talk about bullies. You know, these guys are just students with low self esteem who need love, mm. right? Well, that's what we were growing up thinking, <laughs> you know. And it's very similar. It's very similar to what we thought about pedophiles. Or we just couldn't believe to just love believe. them more. Yeah, just love them more. Uh, they don't really know what they're doing. They were abused, and so now they just can't help it. They just do what was done to them. Yeah, and that simply isn't true of most pedophiles. Uh, at the most, thirty percent were sexually abused, or so yeah. one third. Uh, so it's a crime of opportunity. It's a crime of habit, not opportunity with pedophiles. They'll literally change their life to get access to children. They yeah. will move across a country and get a new job to get access to kids. Right. Yeah. Well, bullying, our concept of bullies is very similar, that they all come from abusive uh, homes, that they have low self-esteem and they just hurt other people to feel better. Now, they do hurt other people to feel better. But statistically, they don't have any lower self-esteem than any other group of of kids. You know, these are kids who have just for 
why do bullies bully? We know one reason why, because they can. That is the one certainty that we have in the theater of bullying when it comes to the kids who bully. Um, they have very, they can have varying backgrounds. They can come from home that have coercive parenting style. Uh, but I think the more important thing is they probably came from home, though not always, certainly not always, because we'd be bearing false witness against a lot of people. But they, they, they often come from homes uh, whose parents tend to bully and they tend to have an arrogant orientation toward other people. Uh, these are the parents who are off their gossip mongers almost always. Uh, all bullies lie. So they, they're really good at, at um, spinning the truth, uh, so to speak. And their kids just grow up watching them do that. And that's just how you relate to other people. Wow. But no, they don't have low, low self-esteem is actually found among targets. It is not found among bullies themselves. I'm glad average. you brought that up. We're going to take another short break and come back in just a second. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. So you, you wrote something in your book that was uh, really, really good and really, really uh, opened my eyes. Not really opened my eyes, but it gave me documented proof. You talked about a study that UCLA did where they uh, took 1,895 ethnically diverse students from 99 classes at 11 Los Angeles middle schools that compared the most popular kids in the school with bullies. And they found that they were the same, mostly the same kids. In other words, low self-esteem has very little to do with bullying. It's more of these kids who are high level or uh, high self-esteem or confident kids. These ones tend to be the ones that bully. Can you uh, elaborate? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, sadly, it's, it's more self-love than self-hate that actually makes a kid a bully. Your average bully believes they are more important than other people. Now, of course, they don't tattoo this on their forehead, uh, but they do so with their behavior. They show with their behavior that they actually think they believe this other kid deserves to be treated uh, really badly um do you know fill in the blank they don't like the color of their skin they don't like the way they walk they don't like the way yeah. they talk um they don't like the shape of their ears you know the the list goes on and on so they actually believe the kid deserves to be treated uh poorly as most kids don't really think that now they may not like the other kid necessarily but they don't think that that kid deserves to be harmed 
bullies feel very differently. And of course, there's the payoff. I mean, it is a sad commentary on, on human nature. But the fact is to dominate and to control another human being is pleasurable. And until we un- until we're honest about that, um, we're never going to fundamentally we're just going to keep giving nice answers and nice answers don't work. Nice answers don't work for cancer and they don't work for really, really deep human besetting sin. They just don't. We need a more powerful solvent uh, in these situations. Well, this goes back to I am the center of my own universe. My parents have bulldozed or helicoptered everything out of my way. I am elite. I am number one. Isn't entitled. This, is, I am entitled. Isn't this narcissism at its finest? It is. They've learned it. You know, and as a culture, sadly, I don't think um, we're moving the wrong direction. We, we, we applaud narcissism in ways we, you know, 20 years ago, for example, much of reality television, not all of it. And in the book, I do go after reality TV because I yep, think it's yep. one of the major culprits. Agreed. Uh, for reasons, the Bandera uh, study, for example, when kids saw adults be aggressive um, toward other adults, they thought if they became more aggressive by watching adults, even on television, face to face and on television, even in cartoons. So they are watching through the umbilical cord of modeling yep. and they're doing what we're doing. So 20 years ago, we would have protested much of reality television. It's sewage in many cases, many times, not all of it. Some yeah. of it's redemptive, but people are now filthy rich by being awful toward one another. Yeah. And, yeah. and we think it's funny. Uh, adults think it's funny uh, until adults get their head on straight until we start acting like adults, we can't expect our kids to do much different. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, uh, your book is, a, I would say it's a Christian book. It's its targeting Christian. You do a lot of work in Christian schools. And so I want to use a phrase. I, I don't like the word social justice. I don't think that's biblical, mm. but I love the word justice. I think that is a biblical word. And you, you in your book, you said, and you're on page 33 here, you said that justice, and, and honestly, I read the Bible. I've read the Bible almost every day of my life for 30 years, and I did not know this. Justice appears in the Bible more than 130 times, but forgiveness only appears 13 times. So I think God is trying to tell us something as parents, don't you? This niceness doctrine says forgive and forget, forgive, forgive, but but I'm getting something a little different from the Bible now. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, you know, both are important, right? Yes. And so uh, what what has happened, though, and, and C.S. Lewis talked about this. Uh, he said that every thousand, 100 years or so, uh, cultures uh, have pet virtues. And ah. clearly our pet virtue has been kindness. Now, of course, the world needs more kindness, without a doubt. But what we've done really is we really are leaning on the um, sweet side of the virtues, uh, what we might call the fruit of the spirit. And yeah. we're forgetting the, the vegetables of the spirit. Um, and the, and courage is one of them. Justice is deep, deep to the heart of God. And I would just ask anyone listening, just to be honest, on any given year of your, of, of church, you know, of what you're, what you hear, do you ever hear justice mentioned even as much as 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 forgiveness and i would think the answer is absolutely not i mean it is 10 to 1 in the bible 10 to 1 mm-hmm. yet 
And but what have we done? We've really flipped it. The uh, we are pretending it's just, it's ten to one the other direction, right? So what I'm saying is I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to be that person. Uh, it, is that you know forgiveness is absolutely essential, and so is working on behalf of justice because there are children right now in your community. You know it's interesting. Um, uh, we tend to like our profits at a distance. We like our profits at a distance and we like our injustices at a, uh, at a distance. Uh, Martin Luther King is, is uh, revered today. Well, he wasn't when he was alive, right? No, so obviously. Uh, we, we didn't care for him. We didn't really care for him that much. Uh, but now, you know, it, it's changed because, you know, we've had a lot of time that has gone by. Uh, Jesus uh, was incredibly prophetic with his spirit as well. And it's one reason name one. They don't crucify nice people. Nice people don't get crucified. Correct. Yeah. So the, the, we killed the prophets and we killed him. Uh, he was more than a prophet. But still, um, we like these things at a distance and we need to get over that petulant uh, aspect of ourselves. There are children in in your neighborhood on the same block going to the same school whose spirit is being killed. It's being um, maimed regularly and they need someone to intervene. They need someone to help. And you know who that person is? It's your child. Your child should be expected to help that child go through that great difficulty. Do we really need another school shooting? Do do we need another uh, uh, attempt at suicide or actual suicide? These are avoidable things. We can be the hands and the feet and the shoulders of God in their lives. But we parents must make this a family value. We have settled for low-grade goodness. We have settled for please and thank yous and, and social pleasantries. And that's important. Society needs that. But we have forgotten the weightier matters of life, like faith and yeah. goodness. What, exactly what Jesus talked about and fighting for justice. We, it's not on our spiritual radar. It needs to be in our spiritual radar. Well, you know what's interesting, and I, I'm a, I'm an elder in a local church. I love my local church. Our local church is about 65% men every Sunday. Uh, and But what but I w- want to talk about, I want to ask you this question because you brought it up a little bit. There is a grace doctrine in the church that it flows through the church, and it says, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Hey, Jesus loves you right where you are, you're forgiven. And it's created this lukewarm, uh, 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 we, you know, we, we love the grace of God, we don't like the backhand of God, which is God's wrath, right? And so we, we like to focus on the grace because we tend to get more people in our church, we focus on the good stuff of God. And I've seen that a lot of the larger churches really struggle with with uh, because they're the Walmart in town, right? They being the center of their own universe and and raising up volunteers to serve their own universe and and making it clean and tidy and grace doctrine and nice, where to and ignoring some of these other sufferings. And I wonder if that is part of the problem in the Christian church in general is that we have these churches preaching this doctrine that says, "Hey, man, we're going to look at those things at a distance, but we need the budget money to go to our church because we got these." Mm. Is, are you seeing that? You're traveling around a lot more than I am. Oh, boy. Where do, where do you start with that? Um, that is that a false statement, a, I guess? No. You, you know, one of the, I, just, I was asked recently, what did, I was interviewed by the Aspen Institute recently, and they said, what's one thing that you would tell someone else who's starting out in uh, in justice ministry? Because, you know, the Protectors is a justice ministry. Yeah. It's yeah. more than that, but it, it is that as well. And honestly, I had I had to be honest. I said I would lower my expectations of the church. 
because I started off with really high expectations. I said, well, of course, they're going to want to help bully children. But sadly, what I have now, of course, there are people who who do and there are churches that have. uh, Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. But on average, it's about their little kingdom. That's really what it's about. It's not so much. It's not so much uh, the community. And, and, And I think those little kingdom builders um, that's a style of Christianity that no longer washes like it used to. A younger generation is looking for a more community-minded um, church, yeah. and I think that's a great that's a great thing. So, um, no, I, I I have seen that. Sadly, I to speak uh, in general terms too, is that most Christians that I know who will care about bullying care about it uh, when their child is bullied, and then and we help them all the time. We have resources for them. I counsel them over the phone. And then after that episode goes away, we never hear from them again. They will never provide, for example, financial support so we could go help other kids. Yeah. It's, it's as if they don't matter. And it's, it, it, it ought not to be that way. So you, you mentioned school shootings. Now, I don't know the statistics on this at all, but are you finding that these school shootings are happening from targets who've had enough? Secret Service interviewed 37 school shooters, asked them why they did it, all of them male. More than 80% of them said they did it as revenge against bullying. The Secret Service said it met the legal definition of harassment and the moral definition of torment. Yeah, they're doing it primarily, though not exclusively, because they've been the target of ongoing cruelty. I, I I would tell any parent who thinks that um, what these kids are going through isn't that big of a deal. If they went through at work what a bully kid goes through at school once, they would make a beeline to human resources. They would get an attorney and they would sue the person who is doing to them. But we expect our children to actually accept this behavior. It's uh, we, we must change how we view the theater of bullying as adults in order to rescue our children to make our schools safer and uh, stop the psychological torment that helps that uh, uh, follows these kids. Um, the Wesley Society of Australia followed serial targets, wanted to find out what kind of adults they became. Seven out of 10 had difficulty with lasting adult relationships. Wow. They're the ones with anger management problems, and they're the ones particularly who um, suffer from resentment, which is the leading negative emotion that tethers people to drug and alcohol abuse. It does not make us stronger. We say things like, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. We think we're quoting the Bible. That's not that's the never Bible. Found. That's Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. Who hated the Bible, yep. and who also said that man is the cruelest of all animals. So it uh, it actually harms people into adulthood. So now we we've already discussed and agree that the parents there's a large amount of culpability on parents here. But how much of this do we lay at the feet of gutless administrators? You talked about a couple in your book, but how many of these yep. shooting incidences and these bully instances? How many of these are actually hidden from a teacher or an administrator? And I mean, in your opinion, I know you can't have hard numbers here, but do you, do these go? Because I know, I mean, bullying is a it's a verbal thing, it's a physical thing, twenty percent of the time, it's a visible, tangible thing at school many times. But is this stuff that goes unheard of by administrators and teachers, or are they just generally speaking gutless in dealing with it's it? It's a it's a complicated theater, pal. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very complicated theater. Uh, we know that abuse victims, roughly 70% of abuse victims don't tell anyone. 
They don't tell their parents. They don't tell their guardians. Many targets of serial bullying suffer in absolute silence. Right. So uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, the work that the work that we do is self-selecting. And the people who have us come in are almost always proactive. They're like, of course, there's bullying. They don't. They they know there's bullying because it it, it there has to be. Um, uh, you, it's it's such predatory, secretive behavior, and they know youth culture. They also know that we have to do something about it. So, we're very fortunate that we work with those organizations that say, oh yeah, we want you to come in. Yeah, we want you to do faculty training. We want you to talk to our parents. We want you to talk to our students. So. Um, I and, and I love what I do because of that. Because I work with such high quality people. Yeah. But certainly there are derelict uh, leaders and administrators who should never be uh, working with youth, without a doubt. And I've met a few of them and walked away from those schools thinking, I'm so grateful my kids don't go to this school. I hear you, man. Well, hey, on page 105, you talked about and you've talked about this several times throughout the book, a more muscular approach to bullying and on page 150 you talked about uh jim collins findings in his book good to great which i've read where he talked about your greatest leaders and organizations are humble and then you wrote in your book bullies need humility and i i love your description here humility is the awareness that you are the underdog in the struggle against your own weakness humility is the awareness that your individual talents alone are not adequate to the task that have been assigned to you this is a big statement here coming up humility reminds you that you are not the center of your universe so i'm assuming that that your more muscular approach has to do with uh, uh, bringing out humility in some of these bullies, but if not, please explain. No, it is. And I know it's, it seems ironic and paradoxical, right? But that's so much truth revolves around irony and paradox. Just yeah. as I said earlier, that masculinity, in my opinion, is love bolstered by courage. Uh, the word love appears in No More Christian Nice Got Revisited over 100 times. It's really a book about love. It's just yeah. a more muscular expression yes. of love. Humility plays a huge role because uh, one reason why it might be considered to be more muscular in a sense where it takes a lot of strength to confront one's lack of humility. It, it does take courage and strength to realize, oh my goodness, I am not the, <laughs> the huge person that I thought I was. Yeah. And so it falls into that category. It's absolutely essential. You know, the people who and again, Jim Collins said it better than I did. But, you know, the the people who really get it done, who really excel, have a functioning level of humility that helps them go to the next level. These are the people that people want to work for. They don't feel bullied and pushed around. They feel uh, affirmed by this person. They want to take new hills because this person, again, is encouraging. They comfort and they urge forward. That's what humble people do. So it's a big, big part in in changing the heart, mind, soul, and spirit of a of a bully. We have to be careful though, because for some people, um, to to have a lowered uh, esteem of themselves, for some people, it really feels like murder. It feels like a kind of death, yeah. and we have to walk them through those waters. Well, especially when they've been all their life told they're the center of the universe, they're number one, they're elite, uh, they are entitled. It's tough for them to realize, wow. My life. You talked about in your book about a young man who, uh, I think you call his name was Brandon, who was uh, in part of a bullying issue that led to bully side, and he actually repented 
because he found Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and what Jesus said to him about humility and loving other people. So I thought that was very, very powerful. And yeah, so Brandon, Brandon's one of the few serial bullies who's actually been honest about his behavior. Yeah. I'm very, very proud of Brandon. Yeah, that is a, that is a, that is a, when I first read his name in the book, I thought, whoa, th- th- why, whoa, he, why did he do that? Why did he put his name in the book? And then later on, I went, oh, yes, that's really good. So, well, hey, let's, so let's talk about the three responses to a bully, right? I'm a parent. I've got a middle school kid and I'm, a, I'm concerned that my son or daughter could be uh, a, a, a target here. Now, the passive response, there's a passive, aggressive, and assertive. Now, I thought it was interesting. It was eye-opening to me when you, you talked about the aggressive response isn't always the best option simply because most targets are uh, either, one, they're, they have uh, mental uh, disorders, I guess you would say, you know, Down syndrome, autism, whatever, and they don't have the capacity to physically defend. And other times they're just tend to be more weaker and, and smaller, uh, which is why they are targeted. And so, uh, so I'm not going to go after this aggressive uh, form so much as the assertive, uh, when you, cause that, that is a hard part for a, a smaller, weaker, uh, uh, student to d- stand up to a bully when he doesn't feel like he has any physical capability to do so, but assertively he can do so. And you, you talked about 80% of bullying is verbal anyway. So how, yeah. how would I, as a parent, have this discussion with my son or daughter before they're even bullied? How do I help them to not become a target? Yes, great question. Well, a lot of it comes, again, a bully uh, profiles. <clears throat> they're not looking for a fight. They, they're looking to overwhelm. And by the way, they'll go after a big guy. They'll go after a, a big person if they're pretty sure the big person um, won't push back. And we actually saw this a number of years ago in Australia. I don't know if you remember. There was a video of this big boy yep, being yep. bullied by much. And the big boy finally had enough and body slammed uh, the little kid. Well, that kid. I love that video. It. Yeah, yeah. It, um, <laughs> I, I think you join a lot of people who look at that and say, well, he deserved it, you know. And uh, so and, and why did that little guy go after the big guy? Because he's scoring points. Yeah, it, it, it makes him look really big by taking down a big guy. Yeah. And so that's why they that's why they do it. So the so size sometimes matter, but sometimes it doesn't. What what a bully is really looking for is the kind of the character and the nature of that target. And uh... Uh, so what we want to do is as parents, we want our children to exude a kind of confidence where it the bully would think twice about going after him because um, they'll push back. So a lot of it comes down to body language. So we train kids how to appear more confident uh, than they may actually feel inside. Uh, it's how they hold it's uh, for example bullies will go after kids who look nervous so these are kids who will and rightly so and put yourself in their shoes they're they're targeted so they'll they'll have darting eyes they're kind of fidgety i've helped with two movies for example in hollywood one's called uh, courage in the time of fear i was a consultant and between cuts between scenes uh there were a bunch of male actors standing in a perfect almost perfect circle except wow. there was one boy he was half a step out of the circle and i said to the director i said if i were a bully that's who i would go after yep because he was fidgety he looked uncomfortable he looked scared and I, what i would do is i walked by and i'd hit him with my shoulder of course and pretend it was an accident and then i would look at him and glare at him and if he withered i had my guy that that's who i would i would 
go after him if I was a bully because I know he won't push back. So we have to have an air of confidence, quiet confidence yep. um, that that, you know what, you, you mess with me. I'm, it's not worth your time. You don't mess with me. And that can be the all knowing smile that can just it can be many, many things, verbal comebacks. Uh, we have a lot of that information uh, in the book yes. as to how we can help our kid. And a lot of it, though, is, you know, for some kids, it's second nature. They are confident. Uh, my youngest, uh, Abby, uh, we were talking about bullying. She looked at me, she goes, Dad, no one bullies me. I mean, she's like, they would never even try, yeah. you know, because they would know they would never work. And, and But for some kids, they're on the quieter side. They're on the nicer side. And they don't really know how to handle provocation. And as parents, we have to realize our kids may not be interested in provocation, but it's interested in them. There is evil in Absolutely. this world. And we have to train our kids how to handle it effectively. And please, like Frank Peretti's parents said to him, and it was very painful for Frank. You saw the interview in the book. Yep. Please do not take scripture out of context and tell them that they must accept this behavior on behalf of other people. I actually read, I actually was at a conference in 1999 where Frank Peretti spoke. And his uh, whole message was on bullying. So I was very familiar with uh, Peretti's uh, uh, story. You know what I've taught my kids? Hey, look people in the eye. Yes. Get your head out of your phone when you're walking down the hall. Look people in the eye and say hello. And shake a guy's hand and firm grip, not a macho man, break your fingers. But shake him, in, shake his hand, look him in the eye. And then I call you call it in your book something a little different, but I call it the power stance. Shoulders back, chest up, chin high. Walk with confidence, you know, yes. uh, and you talk about, you know, when you're standing, feet a little staggered, you know, it's like the triple threat position in basketball, right? You know, be ready and just be aware and confident looking. And the bully sees that and will never uh, will, 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 will shy away from that and go on to the next prey or target. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's called the cowboy stance, right? Now, how how was it that for almost every 1970s album cover has someone in the cowboy stance? And they have you think of Led Zeppelin, you think of yeah. all these albums, even Heart, they're yeah. in the you know cowboy yeah. stance, and that they're told to do that. It makes them look more confident. Um, great thing for anyone right now who's listening, and you know your kid, your kid's having a hard time with this, and we're in your we're in your corner. Yep. Amy Cuddy of Harvard called it power posing. Yes. And it's a great TED talk. I think it's only 13 minutes long or 17 minutes long. Watch it with your kid. Make it kind of lighthearted. Don't, this is a serious topic, but don't be somber with it because we need to have a level of optimism when we're working with our kids. They will, um, they can look more confident. Well, I'll give you an example. I'm in a, I, I was in Scranton, Pennsylvania at a Christian summer camp working with a kid named Bobby. His dad begged me to work with him. And I said, you bet you I'll work with him. So I'm walking with him on his way back to his cabin. It's humid. I'm sweating like a pig, that type of thing. And <laughs> I'm walking with Bobby, and I can see why Bobby's bullied. Yeah. Um, he is a 20-watt bulb in a 200-watt world. He just he moved kind of like a tree sloth. And, and not only that, um, he's very bright. So he's bright, puts him on people's radar, yeah. and he moves very slowly, which people are just going to key in on that. Some are. So um, – I'm saying, Bobby, you got it, Bobby, Bobby, no, put your chin back, uh, uh, put your shoulders back, Bobby, chin up, 
Bobby make eye contact, Bobby, you're mumbling. Uh, you got to speak up. So I'm, I'm working with them and I'm training them and I'm coaching them and I'm getting them to we get to his cabin. And I said, Bobby, how did that feel? Because by the time I got him to the cabin, he was a different person. And he said, that feels weird. And I said, yes, it will feel weird. But with time, it'll feel like second nature. So oh, if yeah. this is your, if, if you've got a Bobby, son or daughter, doesn't matter. Um, uh, please know that you can coach them through this time and uh, with your loving guidance, uh, they can fundamentally change. And I think a, a, one great thing is, is uh, martial arts. Uh, when I was a, a speaker with Promise Keepers and other men's, uh, iron sharp and irons, all that kind of stuff, one thing I was very, very, I noticed very much was uh, many would come up and talk to me. Some of them had this kind of like Steve McQueen uh, coolness to them. Uh-huh. Almost, a nev- almost every time they ran a dojo, it was amazing. These guys were uh, just relaxed and confident, probably because they knew they could kill anyone, right? Yeah. And so it's, of course you're going to be relaxed and confident in, so- in social settings. And I was blown away how, how common that was. And because of that, but we recommend highly for boys and girls uh, martial arts, not so they beat other people up, but it gives them a quiet confidence that is discernible to bullies. Oh, that's really good, man. Well, hey, I don't know about you, know, but we are at an hour and 30 minutes already. So there's so much in your book, and I'm loving it. But I do want to honor your time. I know you got to get on the road to a conference. But uh, one last question we ask all of our guests here at the Man Card Podcast. We have def- literally defined manhood, and I've literally wrote a book called The Man Card, and uh, we list it as five things, protecting integrity, fighting mm-hmm. apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Of those five, Paul, which resonates with you right now and why? Oh, my goodness. Well, it would be um, anything really relates to courage uh, because, um, you know, I'm a— I'm a recovering coward and I know it. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I have, I, I, I have struggled with matters of, of courage for a good amount of, of my life. And, uh, so, you know, if I can do the courageous thing, anyone can. Um, I, I think one thing that maybe I've done, I've had a really good support structure for my family and I got to see, you know, the more uh, courageous side of faith with the, with the help of uh, Eldridge and um, uh, uh, Elton Trueblood's The Humor of Christ, because humor can be a very, very powerful force for good and strength. And uh, so I just had some good guys, I think, is kind of uh, that I listened to. I don't think it was anything. Uh, you know, I, I used to be scared to death of public speaking and flying, and that's mm-hmm. what I do. I, I do both those things now, right? And <laughs> I think part of that, it doesn't make me any more important or better, I, I think, than anyone else or like superhuman powers. But I I do think that what allowed me to move to, to be a recovering coward is that um, I said yes. It's just that I'm willing to um, – I'm willing to change. And I was willing to have wisdom greater than my own come into my life. And then in the process, it um, strength begets strength, right? So you, yes. you get this infusion of strength. It's like, oh, my goodness, I want more of that. So that's available to all of us. Uh, say yes to it. That's so good. So earlier you said 
No is a big word to not become a target. And I would say yes is a big word to become a protector. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> You'll appreciate this. Did you know in the Bible that courage is never mentioned as a spiritual gift? It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Every time the Bible talks about courage, it says stuff like, take courage, lay hold of courage, you know, uh, maintain courage, you know, be strong and courageous. It's something that we as men, as women, as people choose to yes. walk in. And so, so good, man. Well, hey, hey, Paul, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. Where can our guys in the arena learn more about you, your organization, uh, when they want to buy a Free Us From Bullying? Where can they get all this stuff? Yeah, I would love to have you as part of our, uh, our army. We really, really need help um, helping more kids. We have dozens of schools a year uh, contact us. They have no budget. It's mm-hmm. really sad. And so many people to step up and would love to scholarship these uh, schools, even at a reduced rate. Uh, it's sad when we are unable to do that. So if this is the topic that really grabs uh, your guys. Uh, if this is a pain point. Uh, you know, it's a great way to burn out the bad soil. You know, you may have yep. watched a kid get pounded uh, and you did nothing about it and it bothers you. You can help them now. You can help them now through the protectors. So you can go to the protectors.org. And there are our resources uh, for both public schools, private uh, Christian schools, and of course, Rios from Bullying. Amazon has it, and and you can have it downloaded onto your uh, your iPad, you know, within eight seconds, awesome. and away you go. Well, hey, Paul, thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom, your experience. Look forward to getting on getting you on here in the next year and talking about no more Christian nice guy as well. Thank you for being a man, a protector, and a man of courage yourself. So, thanks for coming on our show. I, this is uh, one of my favorite interviews ever, so thank you. Oh, wow. That's huge, man. All right. Oh, fantastic. Thank I've, you. Well, it's a, we, I think we have some similar DNAs. Next time over in your neck in the woods, I'm going to give you a call and have you. I got You know, I got bullied in Sun River one time. I was <laughs> at a, an event, and I was minding my own business, and I always get picked on. The guy singing said, hey, you big guy with a bald head, come up here. I ended up singing a solo. Man, I'm scarred for that. Was it Sloppy Wet Kiss? I get, no, I would not sing Sloppy Wet Kiss or your your fragrance is intoxicating or oh, secret place. But anyway, fun. so it's just really fun, man. Hey, I really resonate with you, bro. It's so good having you on. So, guys, hey, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you're ever going to do. We admit that. We acknowledge that. We want to help you in your battle. So here are three simple steps to encourage you in your world-changing journey. First, enlist. Download our free resources, our app, The Great Hunt for God. It's awesome. Subscribe to the Man Card Podcast if you haven't done so already. Join the Men in the Arena Closed Facebook Forum for Men. Number two, invest. Go to our gear page, grab our resources, get a hold of any resources that make you become the man that you have been called to be, that you would step out into the best version of you. Get a hold of protectors if that's on your heart, man. Get involved with these guys. Any organization that's going to cause you to grow, uh, invest in that. And then the last thing is change your world. Serve in your community. Serve in your church. Lead a virtual team with a great hunt for God. Get involved with the protectors. Make a difference in your world. So guys, join us and build an army of men in the arena who are becoming their best version and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Protect the weak. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. 
This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, The Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.